Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Every single person deserves to have access to healthy, nutritional food. I believe it needs to be grown in a way that serves both the person, but also the planet. And when we have the technology to be able to do so, we're going to do it. We are going to do it. Our guest today is Brandy DeCarly. Her company is Farm From A Box. If you don't already know who your local farmers are, get to know them. Go to the farmer's market. Reconnect with what it is that we're actually being given on a daily basis. Here's your host, Kirsten Goldie and Mark Stenson. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Another week, another great episode of our podcast, another fantastic guest that we're going to learn so much about. Kirsten, our guests are not only inspiring from their stories, but they actually help us take action. Get out of your chair, click a button, make a phone call, do something. And I think we're yeah, going to hear that. I, I know. It, it's getting almost embarrassing, Mark. We need to figure out our causes here because I want in on all of them, right? I am, I am such a joiner. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, you know, have you monetized your podcast? I said, well, there's a lot of money going out from our podcast. <laughs> we'll see about the money coming in. Well, our guest today is the founder and head of a great company with a great name. Brandy DeCarly, yeah. welcome to the podcast. Hello and thank you. Kirsten, give us a little background on what Brandy uh, does and what they're working on. I'm going to start with an opening statement that on their website sums everything up. Our goal is to revolutionize local food production and enable communities around the world to grow their own nutritional food with clean technology. For me, that sums it up. And especially right now, you know, some of the greatest spiritual leaders in the world are really concerned about food sources, even here in America that there will be a food shortage. So this is a huge organization. And you, you're a co-founder. You have projects all over the place. Such exciting stuff. Thank you for that. It, I think that actually does sum it up. That's certainly our mission statement, but it's our, it's our mantra for how we really like to proceed forward too. And I mean, the spirit of farm from a box um, and it, just the name itself is pretty obvious in terms of what we do we are literally farming from a box and i can certainly explain what that looks like but the spirit of it is to basically just give the tool set to communities so that they can grow their own clean nutritious sustainably grown food and we just want to be that connecting mechanism to make sure that people are empowered to be able to do that if i may i'll just describe what this box looks I would, like. I would love that. We took, a, we took a shipping container. Shipping containers are the easiest because you can just plug them in and move them and transport them and plop them back down and you've got this secured container. We took a shipping container and on the roof, we outfitted it with its own independent solar panel array so that whether we're doing farming projects that are in urban spaces or whether we're in really remote communities, there's an independent clean power source that powers the entire farm. We have different water pumping mechanisms that can connect to municipal line, connect to water pumps that are in the ground well, river, lake, whatever it so happens to be. That moves the water out through the entire field and drip irrigation lines. Drip irrigation, making sure that we're conserving this precious, precious resource of water and enabling people to be able to grow year round. 
Inside of the shipping container is a cold storage unit. Most people don't know that most crop loss actually happens in field because there's nowhere cool to be able to store it. I mean, we're talking upwards of 80%, which is crazy. So we've got a cold storage system inside of the shipping container. And we have Wi-Fi systems to make sure that people have connectivity and information access. And you can basically run the farm remotely get information off of your phone too. So we're being able to, to connect them with all kinds of information. So it's a bit like a Swiss army knife of food independence is the way that I always like to explain it. <laughs> yes. Well, you painted a fantastic picture and, you know, we always give websites and things like that at the end of the show. But I, I think if uh, people wanted to really visualize this, you've got to go to farmfromabox.com right now, see the picture and then continue to listen to us because you've got to get a picture of this thing. It's just fantastic. So let's go back to this mission statement, though. It's, it's such a bigger purpose, isn't it? Then let's make a product. Let's get a product funded. It's, it's really high tech. It's really creative. But again, revisit the point of it. What's the, the driving purpose? I mean, so much of that is also tied with who it is that we're, we're working to serve through this. Um, most of the world's food is produced at the hands of smallholder farmers that literally have no access to technology to be able to help them grow more productively, especially looking at all of the climactic challenges that we're dealing with right now. We're looking to really bridge that gap and bring healthy, sustainable food production back down to that community level. We're working with indigenous communities and we're working with refugee communities. We're working with underserved all around the world in both the U.S. and globally. And that has its challenges as a business, but it is so core to what it is that we believe in, in terms of making sure that we're really helping people get to what they need to do on their own and do so in partnership with the biodiverse beautiful system that our land actually holds so that we're not just approaching agriculture and food production from this extractive singular methodology, but we're really being able to really give back through the production that we have too. So I have this burning question. How did you get here? What, what sparked you? How'd you get started? Oh boy, this is, this is the start of my own sort of classic hero's journey, if you will, because a business partner and I were working on building a youth empowerment center in Kenya. And we were using shipping containers to bring in a lot of the resources that the community lacked. And at the time, it was a small health clinic, you know, a school room, all around sporting activities. And we just found that there was this foundational need of healthy food access that was still missing in the community. So at the time, we just really boldly dove in and thought, okay, why don't we just take this same model of a a deliverable shipping container, but put all the tools that we need to be able to grow the food right here in the community in the box. Mind you, here comes the fun part. Neither my business partner nor myself come from an agricultural background, nor are we technology. We have the tools, we have the technology. People don't need to be suffering with a lack of food. Let's just connect the dots and be able to provide them with the tools that they need uh, to be able to grow the food. That was really the start of it. My family thought, I'm sorry, what? You're getting into farming now? But when you look at what the <laughs> factor of what, what farming and agriculture and food production enables, 
It is health. It is sustenance. It is nutrition. It is sharing amongst your community. It's making sure that all of your loved ones are taken care of. It's, it's a rich connection with the land that you're actually living on. So all of those things combined makes it really clear to me as well why, why I've chosen this path, which has not been an easy one. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Hey, buddy, I, I love how you connected. I'm going to go off on you know my rural world for a minute, right? But um, my part of my teachings is that body, mind, and soul. Going back to what indigenous cultures have always known, but we have forgotten, which is the food was always much more than the food. So, and you really touched it. It's the cultivation. It's the essence of love and everything moving through all of it, our food and what we put into our body, it actually really matters. And there's no awareness. There's no conscious eating anymore. It's just stuffing, if you will. And so I love that you really touch upon that. Even the Yogi Nandas, the, you know, the Ayurveda and the Indians, they knew this. They knew that food was a huge component of the spiritual. That's right. I, and you bring up so many beautiful points that I agree with completely because it almost feels like on the timeline of things, if we look at the old ways where people were producing their own food, there was this relationship with nature and this relationship with the actual food, the process of planting it, tending to it, nurturing it, being aware of, of when there was a pest, which is a part of the whole system as well, when, they're, when, when they are there and what they need and really looking at the full cycle of things. And then technological innovation just shifted us away from that. It really disconnected us from that. And when you look at what happened from the agricultural perspective, farms became machines and these huge industries, and we just became so removed. And I think going back to that mission statement, we're really wanting to reconnect that so that technology, which can be a huge benefit, but we want to be able to bring it back to what its core usage still can be, which is to work in partnership and in relationship with nature and to make sure that we're utilizing energy, clean energy to be able to power things, that we're utilizing innovation like drip irrigation to be able to enable us to grow all year round, even in severe drought conditions. So it is really kind of that technological reunion with our roots, quite literally getting our hands back in the soil too. And, and I'm so fascinated by that because we are talking about, I guess, the last two centuries of this agri-technology development. The whole goal was, I mean, we got 7 billion people to feed. We, we've got to grow more than what I can do in my backyard garden or even a relatively small family farm. Where, where did we lose our way from this, we've got to grow more food to feed more people to it's just a technological grind? There are so many different points of that disconnection that are all tied into each other. I think the maximization of profit is probably one of the biggest ones that have influenced everything. How much can we squeeze per foot of land out over and over and over and over and over again until you just have dead soil? And that's a part of the challenge that we're definitely looking at you know, within the US, but around the world as well, whether it was through industrialization of agriculture or through this changing climate situation that we're dealing with right now. I think that played a huge role in it. When we shift and we see instead that food is medicine, and what does that mean? That's not just some wooey thing. It's quite literally yeah. the healthcare system. And our, our agricultural system 
could quite frankly bankrupt our healthcare system if we don't start changing our ways of how we're producing and consuming highly overprocessed food. So it's all so intricately tied to each other. And I think that those disconnections really happened with a lot of the industrialization. It really happened when we stopped honoring what some of the natural systems are, when we stopped looking at indigenous seeds as the best seeds for a particular area, mm. as, as opposed to manufacturing seeds that could be, again, sold over and over again for profit. We are seeing a huge resurgence now of people really looking at that and paying attention and saying, no, this is not the path that we want to go down anymore. And God bless the youth for that. I really attribute a lot of the momentum. But I want to share something because you said something very key. And I remember about two years ago, um, I had put on about 60 pounds, right? It's starting to slowly come off because I'm coming out of corporate. So the anxiety is leaving me. But I remember going, and with the exception of one person, um, all of the doctors wanted to prescribe me something or put me on medication, but not one of them actively addressed my overweight, right? Not one of them. Not one of them asked me what was I eating? What was my diet? And I knew what it was, what it was. I'm very open, I'm very active and I don't diet, but I am very health conscious. So I understood what was happening for myself, but it struck me that our American medicine system would not have had me on some type of healthy eating plan. Like didn't even mention it and it blows my mind. That's right. That's right. And, and it is starting to change. It may not be changing as quickly as we want it to, but wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it make sense when people are hospital, suffering from some sort of illness and are trying to heal? Why are we feeding them with hyper-processed food? That yeah, doesn't right, like that jello, right? And I'm like, wait a minute, when I've had family members that have been really healing from surgery and from illnesses, and, and I'm like, what, you can't eat that? Like, that's not going to help the process of healing at all. So instead, what we're now seeing is hospitals starting to grow their own food and source food from local farmers, which I get chills about because I love so much. Fascinating. Integrating healthy food, healthy, real, live, living food into what it is that they're actually able to serve their patients. And even having farmers markets in the lobby of hospitals Something so simple, and yet it's revolutionary from what has actually been happening from vending machine hospital food is a lot of these different ties. It also goes to education. What are we feeding our kids at school and these school lunches? Yeah. And when, you know, on some of our farms, we had a farm, for example, there's one that we have that is a veteran training farm that's in Virginia. The farm is really a beautiful thing because it's working with returning veterans from all branches and getting them back into agriculture, which we desperately need with an aging farmer population. And in this, they have a kid's area of the farm. And these kids from this community come in and they've got these raised beds that are, you know, the salsa garden and our peanut butter and jelly. And it actually shows the kids oh, when I eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, this is what it's coming from? Like, this is what it's like? And oh, wait, I can actually just eat this? I can just grab this and eat it right there? Their minds explode. And they get to just taste these things like candy, but we've, we've got to start bringing the food, real food, live food, living food, 
back into both the healthcare system, quite literally health care as opposed to sick care and education. Mm-hmm. It's, it goes full circle. And so those are some of the things that I'm just so passionate about, obviously. I love when your pulse uh, races and your voice goes. Yeah. Up. Uh, <laughs> that, I think that would be a sign of passion. So, but let me ask you this, Brandy, because there's going to be a lot of people listening like us, you know, hey, all this makes sense. It's fantastic. We're excited about it. It's such an aha idea. And yet you say there are so many obstacles. Well, who's putting up the sawhorses that you're having to jump over? What are the hurdles? Oh, my God. There have been so many. Yeah, this has been one of the most difficult things that I've ever gone through in my life, certainly on a professional level, but on a personal level of just continually coming up with these challenges of like, can I do this? And just being seeped at times in my own self-doubt and exhaustion and all of the different things. There's so many hurdles from both the internal personal hurdles, which sometimes can be the greatest, to the external hurdles. The nature, I'll start with the external and then get into the the juicy stuff. The the nature of what what we're doing is not necessarily easy. By that, I mean Dealing with outdoor agriculture, there are so many different variables. There's different crops, there's different soil, there's different climates. There's all of these different things. And we're not growing in a controlled environment. We're growing in a living ecosystem. And so how do you make a toolkit be able to adapt and respond to that without doing one unit per year, (laughs) which is not what we're trying to do. uh, You're saying that may not be a good business model. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So that has been one of one of the many hurdles is how do we make this system quickly adaptive so that it can quickly go to Liberia with completely different sets of cultures and growing conditions and soils and all of these different things and humidity levels and then be right here in Sonoma, California at the same time. We basically ended up developing it almost Lego style, where we could plug in and plug out different components to be able to make it adaptable. But trying to get everything to work in concert has been very, very difficult. <laughs> so that that's certainly one thing. Policy is another. Policies are now in place in municipal areas and state level and even federal level that aren't quite frankly the friendliest for a lot of smallholder farmers and for community growers, whether there's restrictions on what market access is available or what the restrictions are on operating a solar panel system. So navigating through that labyrinth has been challenging and interesting at the same time also. There's the continual education that also happens because we are so passionate. We're such believers in regenerative agriculture. And I'm sure a lot of people know what that is, but regenerative being that quite literally it regenerates and that we're really focused on building the health of the soil so that it becomes more and more nutritious um, in terms of its whole ecosystem base, but also for the plants. And while we do not include seeds in our kit and we do not specifically include anything organic We try to wrap our system in as much training and education around why utilizing the system with regenerative agriculture is so important environmentally, in terms of your profit, in terms of your health, in terms of the quality of the produce that you're going to be able to do. And we can't guarantee that somebody's going to follow that either. So really making sure that there's a re-education process that happens around that. 
that's been one of the other challenges too. I certainly appreciate all those business challenges and you mentioned those, those personal challenges, but I mean, that's, I'm sure you had to do what we did when uh, Kirsten told me the word IntelliKey, you know, the, but this idea that this is your purpose, this is your human potential that you're trying to, not only for yourself, but for the people who would use the product. Where, where does that fulfillment or where does that drive come in for you personally? You know, I know that this is my purpose and I know it through the challenging moments because it's through those challenging moments where I, I feel that fire in my heart and in my soul, not my mind, because my mind will sometimes try to talk me out of it, but I, I will feel that fire in those moments where I'm like, I don't even have money to pay for my own life next month. Like, am I do it? <laughs> How am I going to make this happen? But it is that fire that just keeps keeps you pushing forward. And I think that's really when it becomes clear that despite those fears and despite those challenges, you are so driven to continue moving forward and really stay in this place of building and listening and building and listening and continuing to go forward that you know that it's also your purpose. And one of the very foundational grounding points for me is that every single person deserves to have access to healthy nutritional food. And I believe that it needs to be grown in a way that serves both the person, but also the planet. And when we have the technology and we have the knowledge to be able to do so, we're going to do it. We are going to do it. And so it just keeps coming back to that. You know, we do a lot of work with refugee communities as well and with really severe challenges around malnutrition and food insecurity. There's just no way. I'm not, I'm not going to stand back when, when that can be solved. Well, and I'm still struck by, you know, that it, people talk about customer-driven businesses and human connection that you're talking about here, veterans, refugees, kids in otherwise uh, deprived areas. So what about any daily practices that you have to keep that fire burning? Is there something that you're doing every day to regenerate your own strength? I mean, it's so interesting to ask that question during these times with COVID because <laughs> I have felt personally so isolated in my own little bubble of being sheltered inside of my home, which is just not for anybody that knows me, this is not, this is not the way that, like, I'm the person that likes to give hugs on the street. Like, I am a connector. So this is, it's just personally challenging for me to be removed from community in that way, too. But I think part of it for me, I refuel myself through my own mindfulness practices are hugely refueling for me, but also just to stay in touch with farmers, whether we're working with them or whether we're not working with them. I want to know, what are their challenges during COVID? What are black farmers going through right now? How can I, how can I help them connect with different markets and grow? I'm, it, keeping, keeping myself consistent learning state and curious state so that I understand what people are really experiencing is hugely fueling for me because that helps us continually understand and innovate and connect, connect the dots and create these constellation networks that we can really be able to help support the broader efforts too. You know, what strikes me when you talk is people who the sacrifice is made. And I just, I want to draw a parallel. I come from corporate where we were driven by profits and where it really was never about anybody else, but the shareholder and the executive's paycheck. 
you're trained and groomed to have that mindset and to push it. And you hear about all the sacrifices the executives made because they work all these hours and they don't go home. But that was for themselves. What I hear you talking about is a personal sacrifice for the betterment of humanity. You are what a real leader looks like to me. When you talk about, I don't know how I'm going to eat, but I'm not stopping. That's real. You're answering to yourself to whatever your connection is to something larger. And you know you have to put your head down at night and know if I did follow and live up to my calling. I think that that's a really important distinction. And I thank you for that. I, I really feel that too. And I do think that there are more leaders, even of big companies that are stepping up and are seeing, partly through this, that we got to put our people first. We got to put our people first, focusing on feeding and nurturing and cultivating for the broader benefit, which is what business was really founded on, was for benefit, right? Not, you know, one subsection of, of people to be able to profit in this insane way. It's, it was meant to be able to benefit, provide resources for people and be able to do so with equal exchange. And I think we are coming back to that point, even going through it. Like I don't have my MBA and a part of that. I mean, sometimes in the beginning of this, there was an insecurity that was there where I'm like, oh God, like I don't actually know how to build a company, but actually I can pay attention and I can pay attention to people and I can follow my gut and I can learn and learn to be courageous, not necessarily from fellow business leaders, but from the likes of Wangari Matai. Like that's courage to me. Are you, are you willing to stand up and actually replant trees? Something that is so beautiful as that. And yet she got such fierce pushback. So in those moments in time where I feel like I am not bringing enough to the plate to be able to really grow and lead this company, that's when I actually know, no, 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 no. I have all of these resources. And that's when I pay attention to leaders that I believe in. That's when I lean into networks like CEO, who we spoke of before everything started. That's when I, I start resourcing with what I know I need to be able to help refuel and be able to grow forward too. And we just can't do it by ourselves. And if we lead from this ego-driven point of, I am going to do this, it's going to be a very lonely road. When we lead quite literally as a village and all together for the collective, I think we're going to be much more successful, but we're going to be much more fulfilled too. Yeah. And you are speaking to my passion, which is the building of the new world, starting over from the essence of value systems that benefit the whole. And you are, like Mark said, like you're lit up. I think this has just been a terrific conversation. So Brandy, uh, you know, I want to give you the opportunity because you have the platform. Listeners with like-minded viewpoints, we're all trying to grow into our own purpose. You have the ear now of people who want to support what you're doing. How can we learn more about your company? But I guess more importantly, how could we get involved in this, this movement? Thank you for opening that up too, because we, we definitely could use some support. So I think a few different things. One, please do go to our website, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Like I, I like to communicate. This is just the way that, that I am. And again, as I said earlier, this is just a part of how I continually remain fueled as well. We continually need investment. We're doing another round now and 
if you are in alignment with what our approach is, we're, we're always very particular. We like to make sure that we're bringing on investors and building this family of people that really believe in what the broader purpose is and are not just looking at it from this profit perspective only. If you're interested in starting a farm, talk to us. I mean, if you have ideas, if you've got community groups, if you're dealing with broken supply chains through COVID, like we can actually really help. So please do reach out to us about that. Now, on, on, on another level, I would also say, even through this, if you don't already know who your local farmers are, get to know them. Go to the farmer's market. Go outside and take your shoes off and stick your feet in the dirt for a little bit and just reconnect with, with what it is that we're actually being given on a daily basis. And, you know, we, we've separated ourselves so much. And don't be afraid. This is another thing, too. When you go, you know, again, the example of going to the hospital, when you go to the hospital, ask, what, why aren't we having healthy food? We should be growing. We should, we should connect with our local farmers. We have much more power and agency by really advocating for the things that we want to see. If enough people hear that, whether in a school site or whether in a restaurant about local sourcing or certainly in a hospital, whatever it so happens to be, when you hear that over and over again from people, change really does happen. So I would just also really encourage people to be much more curious, much more involved and bold in saying, where do you get your food from? Like, let's let's change that and really start feeding people with much more healthy, nutritious, real living food. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Brandy, can't thank you enough for the conversation. We have just really enjoyed it. And Kirsten, I don't know about you, but I'm activated. I'm activated. I'm in. <laughs> and I do want to highlight one thing for Brandy. Um, Brandy, you did mention that you also work with our Native Indigenous tribes. Yes, yeah. that it's something that we're really active in. We're very passionate about it. We're launching a new farm literally next week, um, serving the Lakota Nation in Pine Ridge. It's really exactly as you said. It's all about building food sovereignty, Lakota grown. Mm-hmm for the Lakota people, by the Lakota people, and making sure that they can really source everything directly there within the community. Our guest has been Brandy DeCarly. Her company is Farm From a Box. And like I said, we have gained so much new information just about how this product concept can work. But I think most of all, we've heard some attitudinally exciting. I mean, the, the passion that comes through yeah. can really fire us up. And then some practice, uh, some a- action steps that we all can take. So Brandy, really thank you for all three of those. Oh, truly my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. Wonderful. Well, Kirsten, thank you. what another terrific interview with somebody who has so much passion for a cause and a business. I mean, what, what an intersection Brandy represented. Absolutely. And I love how you picked up on her delightful enthusiasm. We let her know right up front, it was a PowerPoint free zone, that there was no pitch. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm also happy that she got a little investor uh, request there at the end. Because I mean, really, if we're talking about taking action, and I'm not suggesting that everybody send all these companies money, does it inspire you to say, there's real companies out there doing well? And if we have a choice of where we're going to invest our money, I got to tell you, nothing against ExxonMobil. I'm sure they're a fine company (laughs) and can make a lot of shareholders a lot of money. But if given the choice, I guess we have some options, right? Yeah. You know, and it's so funny. I love that you say that because Brandy 
did. You know, I, I have such a pessimistic view sometimes of corporate because I'm still scarred. But, you know, she reminded me that we have some brilliant leaders rising. Even within these organizations, people are moving to have a more woke leadership style and Brandy being one of them. And how exciting. Yes, I would absolutely be grateful to work or invest in a company such as hers. It also reminds me, you've had the idea of some sort of round table something. I mean, we didn't plan this, but we've had people no, talk about food and regenerative yes. agriculture. We had Evans Baya talking about all his farming and healthcare efforts in Kenya. If we don't yep. get all these people on one screen and share it, we've, we've missed it. So we'll start working on that. So if you got that to look forward to, listeners, as well as another great lineup of very cool leaders in every part of life, I know you'll want to keep following us. So Kirsten, thanks again. Really appreciate your partnership in this. Yep. Thank you, Mark. Until next time, here's to your IntelliKey as you pursue your own soul's purpose in your life and in your business. Take care. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our websites, www.pureintelliKey.com and www.mark-stenson.com. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories.